Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Thanks, Gary. Uh, uh, can you turn me down a little bit, RJ? Um, forgive me for going a little bit overboard on worship, but it's, uh, like I said in my prayer, I worship to the audience of one, and I kind of got excited. But uh, thank you, worship team, for putting up with me. Amen. Uh, I'm excited uh, to take this opportunity uh, this morning, as you know, uh, our pastors uh, and his wife, Pastor Vaughn and, and Mary, uh, are taking some time off, a well-deserved and needed time off. Uh, so we've got some people filling in the gaps. We had uh, Pastor John Marshall last week. How many of you enjoyed that message? Amen. Amen. I, uh, I was kind of blown away because... You know, I'm, I'm communicating with him during the week. I'm like, all right, send me your scriptures. And he sends me like four. I'm like, that's it? I got like nine pages this morning. And he sent me like four scriptures and he spoke on that. And I thought it was very powerful. But it's, uh, it's amazing. And if you don't know, now you know, this Bible's alive. And it'll speak to you differently at different times. Trust me, while, while I was preparing, I was reading scriptures that I know, that I memorize, and that I understand, and it like, the Lord spoke to me in a completely different way, and I'm like, man, if I don't keep my eyes on this, thing's going to grow legs and walk away. That's how alive it is, so uh, keep it close to you, but, um, uh, but it was a powerful message last week, Pastor John, so we thank him and, and the team at uh, Southlands, and I get the privilege this morning to, to share and Devin mentioned that uh, in his prayer, he prayed that the Lord would give a mighty word. And I really hope it's a mighty word for somebody this morning. Amen? I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of excited. Um, I tried to wear a business shirt this morning. Because I came to do business with Jesus. It is uh, a, um, a very... Uh, touching topic for me and a very powerful uh, word that was given to me uh, a while ago and as I prepared it um, I just thought it was uh, just fitting and as we know God's timing is perfect amen So the title of my message this morning is Vision Without Boundaries. Vision Without Boundaries. God has goals for every single believer and the vision and the capabilities 
for those visions are given to us through the power already given to us. Let me say that again. God has goals and a vision for every single believer. And the power for those visions have already been given to us. Have you ever met some people who say, man, I've always wanted to do that? Or man, that's been my lifetime goal. Or dang, I would love to be able to do that. Or man, I've been dreaming about that since, since I was a child. But then they end the statement like this. I've always wanted to do that, but I don't think that's God's will for me. Or that's always been a dream of mine, but you know, I guess I don't have the ability to do so. Or I suppose it's just a dream. Or maybe it's just something I have to think about. I am fully persuaded that most of us fail to reach our dreams, fulfill God's will, achieve our goals, or achieve that strong desire in our life because of the limitations we put on ourselves. I'm fully convinced of it. Because we unknowing limit ourselves. We create, these, we, we create these mental barriers. We create this subconscious limitation. And I'm going to share with you what the Bible says about a vision without boundaries. And I opened up by telling you that the power has already been given to you for those visions. We conjure up these obstructions, we set boundaries, we consent to the limitations we have put there subconsciously. In the church all over the world, we as a body and as a group of people, we set them ourselves. If you have a pen and paper, you might want to write this down. What is true in our personal life will be projected in the life of the church. What is spoken in the life of the church will be projected in our personal life. What is true in our personal life will be projected in the life of the church. And what we hear in the church will be projected into our life, in our personal life. God has goals for every believer and a vision and the capabilities for these visions have already been given to us. Luke 9, 1, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal disease. Just an example, John 14, 12 says, Truly, uh, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So don't kid yourself. When you have a goal, when you have a vision, when God gives you a vision, it's a vision without boundaries. The only boundaries that are there are the ones we put there. The only limitations that come with those visions sometimes are the ones we set. I want you to do um, two things for me if you would. We're going to be in uh, two portions of Scripture. If you would, first turn to Matthew chapter 28.
We're going to start at verse 16. How many of you have one of these in your Bible? Or one of those bookmarks on your app or your tablet? So set it there. And then I'd also like you to set the other one to Acts chapter 1. Is that okay? Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start at verse 16. And the second bookmark I'd like you to have ready is Acts chapter 1. Vision without boundaries. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for being here with us, Father God. We thank you for the visions, the goals, and the dreams you've given us, Father God. They are limitless because you are limitless, Father God. You have placed the power within us over all demons and the power to heal and you've told us that because you've gone to the Father that we'll be able to do greater things if we believe in you. Father, if you would align our hearts to this word, align our hearts to your word, Father God, that it would speak to somebody this morning about having visions without boundaries. Visions that would encompass the world, Lord. Let our hearts be open. Let our ears be willing to hear. Calm my heart, Father God. Speak through me. Use me as a broken vessel as you always have. I'm not worthy to serve you, but you choose to use me. And man, I'm so grateful. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Are you ready? Amen. Listen, God's plans and visions are not limited to human capabilities. Human limit, humans limit our spiritual capabilities. Let me say that again. God's plans and his visions are not limited by our human capabilities. He's not going to give you a vision that you could never accomplish. He's not going to give you a dream that could never come true. The limitations and the boundaries are set by us personally. For many reasons, we'll get into that, but they're set by us personally. His plans are not limited to human capabilities. It's humans that limit the supernatural capabilities of God. I'm not saying God is limited by us. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to understand. But sometimes we limit ourselves from having what God wants for us. Because you want to go this way and he wants you to go here. Or he wants you to do it this way and you want to do it your way. This is not Burger King. Have it your way. <laughs> this is the kingdom. You've got to do it in God's way and his order. I know a lot of us say that the devil is in the details, but don't kid yourself. So is the Lord. Sometimes he just wants you to wait. He may give you a vision and just say, wait. Wait. A vision without boundaries. What is true in our personal life will be projected in the life of the church. What we hear in the church will be projected into our personal life. We're going to start at Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you know that this was the risen Christ's vision for the church? And he gave it to a group of 11 people. And he said, this is my vision. It's a vision without boundaries. This is what I need you to do. And he gave them two steps. A vision without boundaries. Now flip over to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time are you restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is the vision. This is the vision for the church. They're asking for details. He says, no. What's cool is we think God does things backwards, but truth be told, we're the ones that do things backwards. He gives us a vision. We say we want a plan. He says, nope, I want you to create a vision. I'll give you the plan, step by step. The Bible tells us that we walk in his path and in his light. It's step by step. The disciples are asking for details, and God's so cool. He's like, no, 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 I'm not giving you details right now. You're not worthy of details, but this is the vision. What is a vision? RJ, would you put that definition up? A mental picture. Things to come to pass, things to happen, a mental place, or a position you will be in. The act or power of anticipating that which will may come or to be a prophetic vision. An experience in where a, a personage thing or an event appears vividly, credibly to the mind, although not actually present, often under the influence of a divine or other agency. A heavenly messenger appearing in a vision is an example of a vision. Something seen or otherwise perceived during such an experience. You know all these little glimpses in your lives that you get? Those are visions. You know when you wake up and you find yourself... Planning a church, that's a vision. When you wake up and you, you see yourself married with two kids, one and a half dogs, or is it the other way around? One and a half kids and two dogs, whatever it is. Those are visions. Those are visions. And they're visions given to you without boundaries. The boundaries come when you start asking for details of the plan. Do you realize... That in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, we read that he told them what the vision was and he told, gave them the first two steps. This is how you're going to get to that vision. Any little dream, any, any image that you see, any place you find yourself, any uh, position you see yourself holding, those are all visions. 
Those are all visions. This vision, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn to uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. It says, He is not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said, Come see in the place where the Lord lay. This is them after Jesus has risen, and it's in the same chapter of Matthew 28, but just earlier in the chapter. Then he meets the disciples, and then the vision comes from a resurrecting Christ, a risen Christ. There's the authority, and then he tells them, he says, Let me give you the basis of my vision. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Let me tell you who I am. He didn't walk up to him limping, bleeding, bloodied, scourged with a portion of a crown of thorns on him. He didn't leave a trail of blood to them. This was the risen Christ showing them the vision of the church. The vision of the church, a vision without boundaries. You know what's crazy is a lot of us, when we get those little images or views or visions, we instantly say, oh, that can't be me. That guy looked like he's 50 pounds lighter. That wasn't me. God may give you a dream or a vision about where you'll be in five to ten years from now. You say, oh, that's not possible. I just got this job. And it's so crazy how we limit ourselves to what God has for us. Because truth be told, 2,000 years ago, this vision was given to these 11, and many things have changed. Right? Society, the topography, the culture, the church, the people, the amount of disciples. Many things have changed. But the vision still stands. Go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was the original vision. Has God given you a vision and you are so far from it that you don't even remember the original picture? Because you've set boundaries to it. You've set limits to it. We want to do this in the church, but that's not possible. The Bible tells us with God all things are possible. Why are we limiting ourselves? I want to have a better career, but I need a degree for that. I can't do that right now. Serious? There's part-time night school. There's online courses. There's many things and many ways for you to begin to head towards that vision or that goal that God's given you. Even 2,000 years ago, that vision still stands. Human nature has changed. Mankind, the earth has changed. But I got to tell you something. There is not one single thing that has changed from God's original vision. In all of this time, all of these changes that we see around us, the horrific things we see, the deception we see, the original vision has not changed. It is still the message and the commission, and it's the same that he was given to us, given to these guys 2,000 years ago.
In Matthew 28, verse 16, he gives them the first step of the, of the uh, vision. In verse 19, excuse me, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Comma. Go therefore, making disciples of all nations. The original vision to the church. Can I share a secret with you? Yes. Making disciples is not making church members. Sorry. Making disciples is not getting more people in the church. Sorry. Making disciples... is getting people to grow and helping them to understand how to faithfully follow Christ. The Greek word that's translated make disciples is methetio, which comes from the root word metheus, meaning learner or pupil. It's in essence an apprentice. The world typically denotes this as somebody who is an apprentice to a trade, like a carpenter apprentice or a masonry apprentice. But in philosophy, it speaks to of someone who has developed or mastered a student and a master relationship with a teacher. Are you a disciple or are you making disciples? This was the vision. For many of us, discipleship communicates the same sort of idea. The disciple is a believer who's learning to obediently follow and serve Christ as his master. Discipleship emphasizes more than simply accepting Jesus. Discipleship is not salvation. And all those who are saved are not disciples. The entire church was started in Acts chapter 1, and they started with 11 who were saved and followed Christ, they became disciples. And even when the church and the Spirit came over the church and they began to speak in tongues and all these things and they had 3,000 saved, they instantly didn't have 3,000 disciples. Salvation is different than discipleship. The vision that God is asking the church to do is to make disciples in all nations. Here's the tough part for this vision. To make disciples, you have to make disciples understand that it is an enduring long-term commitment to uncovering and discovering what it means to be devoted to Christ. Should I say that again? It is an enduring long-term commitment to uncovering and discovering what it means to be devoted to Christ. It is not salvation. Praise the Lord for salvation. And without salvation, you can't be a disciple. But not all that are saved are disciples. We are called as a church to go out and make disciples. There was like two people who clapped for Sidewalk Sanctuary. November 10th, we're going out to, to, to reach the world. Two people. And that's the mission of the church. It's not about the coffee bar. It's not about the trunk or treat. It's not about a harvest festival. It's not about all these things. It's about making disciples. Making disciples, we do this through constant exposure to Scripture, commitment to communities of faith, and the direct involvement of mature believers in our lives. 
a constant exposure to Scripture. At this church, we constantly expose you to Scripture. I don't know if you know, but we have courses online. We have a salvation course, a baptism course. Oh, guess what? There's also a discipleship course, but it comes down the line. Because even in the Lord's first two steps, the vision is not given to us in details. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus says to his Jewish followers this way, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abiding in Jesus' word is a poetic way of saying, I will remain faithful to his teaching. That's abiding in his word. That's how we make disciples. Becoming a perpetual student. I gave you the definition of vision. RJ, would you put up uh, the definition of uh, mission? Mission. The business with, su with which such a, say group, group is charged any important task or duty that is assigned allotted or self-imposed an important goal or a purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction a calling or a vocation this is the definition of a mission I told you earlier that God gave the church a vision this vision became a mission to a group of people. A mission to a group of people. Do you know that God sustained his mission because his mission wasn't his purpose? Ooh, did you get that? God sustained his mission because his mission wasn't his purpose. The, mission, the purpose of God was that the whole world would know how much he loved them. That was the purpose of God. And he accomplished that by sending his only son to die. He sustained his mission because his mission was different than his purpose. His purpose was to demonstrate his love for the whole world. God so loved the world that he did what it took, even to the death of his son. He went all the way in his pursuit, still seeking people to this very day. We had a message speak a couple of weeks ago that God is looking for one. God is looking for one. When we are making disciples, we need to start with one. When you are being discipled, you need to start with one. You can't have three different people discipling you. It just doesn't work. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's not a team issue. The mission is a group commandment the vision is a group commandment but discipleship has to be done one on one now you may have one person discipling many people that's different but your discipler is one person this was the vision 2000 years ago and it's still the same vision to this day
second step he told them and the direction he gave them was baptizing. Baptizing was the vision for this mission to cover the entire world. Why? Why? Jesus tells them, here's my vision. Tells the 11 disciples that kind of doubted, hey, dude, this guy's walking without a limp. He just got crucified. There's no blood. There's no scars. What's going on? And he tells them, here's my vision for you. I'm not going to give you all the details, but there's two things I need you to do. And these two things were go out and make disciples of all nations and secondly, baptize them. Why? Why baptize them? This Sunday was supposed to be a baptism Sunday, but nobody wanted to get baptized this Sunday, and that's okay. But I want to share something with you. You cannot be saved and not get baptized in the water and still be in the will of God. Let me repeat that because I don't want you to confuse it, and I know we're recording it. You cannot be saved and not be baptized in the water and still be in the will of the God because God tells us we need to be baptized. Full immersion. You know why he told these 11 this and this was part of the vision? He knew they had to make a public confession. How do you get the world to change? How do you get somebody to see if you don't visibly do something? That was the point of immersion. That was the point of baptism. I didn't say you're not saved if you don't get baptized. I said you're not in the will of God if you've been saved and won't get baptized in water. You may have been baptized by the Spirit when you got saved. You may have been baptized in the Spirit at the altar and God pours out His Son right into you. But that's different than getting baptized in the water. God needed these 11 guys to baptize in the water for full immersion so the public and the world would see, and that's how this vision would get accomplished. You think it matters to me that the baptism is not set up and nobody has raised their hand? Absolutely not. God has this under control much better than I do. Why do we baptize in water? Because Jesus said so. Jesus knew that his followers needed to make a public confession of Christ. Why public confession? Why do I have to do this in front of people? Newsflash, there's no secret disciples. There's no undercover Christians. You can't be a faithful FBI agent undercover. He said, go out into the world making disciples. He didn't say, stay in your home in Judea. Don't go anywhere. No, he said, you're going to go to Judea, Jerusalem, all the other ones he mentioned. There is no secret disciples. You can't be a secret agent disciple. You can't serve the Lord in secret. Especially in this country. We have the we have the greatest we live in the greatest country. It is not perfect. I'm not saying that, but we have the freedom to say I'm a follower of Christ, and people won't get baptized in public to say I am dead to myself and I'm being resurrected in newness in Him. That's the original vision without boundaries. How do you do that with eleven people in this tiny town in the middle of the 
of the country, walking around in sandals. They had to baptize in water so that other people could see. The immersion. We bring people to the water, we dump them and seemingly drown them into the, into the new. Why? We don't baptize people by air. <laughs> Who's going to see that? If the Spirit of God has come in you, you should be baptized in water. Period, point blank. Jesus told us so. The Bible tells us so. And it's a public confession so that other people would see the death of your old self and the birth of your new. It's a child of God going through repentance and salvation. And if you refuse to be baptized in the water, you're not in the will of God. Period. We do this by immersion. Because it's the most accurate visual description of death of the old and the walking of the new. Drowning somebody. Raising them back up out of the water. Man, our life groups last week where we had a question about baptism and the, the question arose in baptism after Pastor John's message in regards to John who denied everything that the Pharisees asked. Hey, are you the Messiah? Nope. Are you Jesus? Nope. Are you the king? Nope. Are you the prophet? Nope. He says, I'm nobody. I baptize water. The one who comes after me, who I can't even touch his sandals. Complete submission and denial of himself. And he was getting crowds following him. You know how easy it is to be boastful? I get boastful up here when two people watch me, you know, and I'm worshiping. Can you imagine John the Baptist? He was a special dude. Even Jesus said, you are the greatest. Telling his nephew, you are the greatest. And, and this did not even come into John's head. The Pharisees are questioning him. He says, nope, that's not me. That's not me. I baptize in water, but he who comes after me will baptize in spirit. And he is so worthy that I can't even unlatch his sandals. Water baptism and the immersion is a perfect visual description of death of the old and the newly walking into the newness of life. It is remarkable because as I was getting to the, the question in life groups about baptism, we went around the room and we asked everybody, have you been baptized? And if so, share that moment, share those feelings. And if you haven't, have you considered it? So forth and so on. And pretty much everybody at our life group has been baptized. But can you imagine what happened when everybody started thinking about their baptism? Tears were flowing. Even the people that weren't telling their stories, they were like, oh, I remember going under the water and it was just silence. You know what that is? That's the process of resurrection. That's why we do it in water. That was the vision given to us 2,000 years ago, and it's the same vision today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was remarkable to be at a table and to see people cry and to see people describe how when they came up, they were 
a little vertigo. They didn't know what was the noise. What, was there music playing? Was there people praying? Was God speaking to them? All like different things. People said they heard sounds underwater. People said it was complete silence until they came out of the water. I shared that when I came out of the water, I didn't hear anything but one person. And he said, you will always hear my voice. And even minutes after that, I couldn't hear for a few minutes after being baptized. And I think I was 19 or 18. And to this day, I still hear that voice. And sometimes it's difficult to share what I hear because it's about somebody I love. And it's about something that I, that I have seen or God has given me a vision of. And it happened that day for me. But to hear the stories of everybody's baptism... And to think, the Pharisees come to this guy and say, who are you? Just a group of eight people in La Mirada who are so emotional about speaking about their own baptism. John had the humility of denying himself and uplifting Christ as he baptized in water. That was the vision 2,000 years ago. I told you earlier, God sustained his mission because his mission wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to demonstrate his love for the world. He went all the way with his pursuit, and he's still seeking people to this very day to be saved. And it is the church's vision and responsibility. In fact, it's a command. But let's, uh, Matthew 28 uh, what does that start with? Oh, go or try. No, it's, I think it says go. Does it say go or try? Oh, it says go. 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 Oh, that's a direction. Go. Our Heavenly Father has given us direction for a vision without boundaries. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How do you think these 11 thought when they heard that? Dude, we're in this tiny town. I'm pulling a mule right now because he's tired of carrying me. How do you expect me to go in the whole world? God has the plans. You don't need the details. You need the vision. That's why he gives you vision. Because he gave you the details that you get to boast. Are you following me? When you don't have the details and you rely on faith, he gets the glory. That's the vision. That's vision without boundaries. And to this day, he's still looking for people to get saved. Luke 15, 3 says, Jesus told this parable. I shared this a while ago. Suppose one of you have had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. To this day he's still doing this. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's waiting for the vision to be accomplished. Are you following me? He's literally waiting for that last one so that the entire vision can be accomplished. I shared the definition of vision for you. The definition of mission for you, 
Now I'm going to share the definition of commission. Because somewhere down the line, this scripture was categorized as the Great Commission. It's a vision with a mission, and now they call it the Great Commission. Why? Commission, the act of committing or entrusting a group, say group, with supervisory power or authority, say authority. authority. You know, Webster is in line with the word. The dictionary, no surprises, is in line with the Bible. Commission a group to have supervisory power or authority. An authoritative order, charge, or direction. It's an order. It's a charge. It's a direction. Authority granted for a particular action. This is the vision. The vision that was given to a group of people with a mission is called a commission because it's a corporate mission. It's for a group of people. That group of people is us. Hey, I was prepared to have the nursery here. I'm good with that. They'd understand this too. God will speak to them. So, are you understanding the vision that was set 2,000 years ago? Go and make disciples. Baptize them in, in in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is a mission given to these 11, but because it was given to a group of people, it is no longer a mission. It's a co-mission because it's a corporate mission. It's a vision for a group of people. That's our commission. Hmm. Commission. RJ, can you put that last image up for me? The one with the circles. Here's the purpose, here's the mission, here's the vision. The purpose, God so loved the world, that's why he sent his son. That was the purpose of God. To show the whole world that he loved them. Go and make disciples of all mission. This was the mission or the vision given to these people. Baptizing and teaching under whose authority? Under his. You remember he began his direction by saying, all of heaven... And authority here on earth has been given to me. And this is what the church needs to do. So if I landed this plane right now and I have this question, are we in the vision of God? Are you walking in his vision for you? Are you walking towards that goal, towards that dream? Do you have a purpose? Have you written it down? You know, many years ago, I spent a lot of time in business. Many years ago, I act like I'm 80. But it may have been 10 years ago, 8 years ago, I spent a lot of time in business. And one of the things in business that you had to do is you had to have goals. Because you would just waste your time. You can walk on this earth and never get anything accomplished. And let me tell you, when you are getting paid on commission, commission, no pun intended, when you're getting paid on commission, you put the vision down on paper, you write yourself goals, and you meet those goals. 
I remember the acronym, but it was SMART. And that's how we, we, we had to write out our goals. Specific, measurable, accountable, reachable, if that's a word, and timely. That's how you had to put your goals in those categories. You had to have a goal for your vision. You have to, you have to write things down on a tablet. You have to write it down. And here's why. You can go two or three days without even taking a step forward towards your vision because you ain't got nothing written down. You don't know your purpose. You don't know the mission. And you're certainly not part of the commission. I tell you all that to tell you this. Most of our PNPs have this scripture as the vision of the PNP. PNP is a document of policies and procedures that every ministry has or will have, and it's created by the pastor and the elders and the ministry team leader. And we put a vision, we put a scripture of that ministry. Let's say it's social media. What's the vision of social media? I don't know it by heart, but it's how do we reach people outside the church sharing the information of the church? messages, YouTube, videos, Instagrams, Facebook, Snapchat, all those things. How do we email? How do we market? How does Sidewalk Sanctuary, how do we get people in? What's the vision for this specific ministry? And in every P&P for every ministry in this church, guess what? We have a vision and we write it down. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, 3. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets. How many of you have a tablet right now? See, the Lord knew you'd have an iPad, Patrick. The Lord knew that iPads and tablets would all be all over this world. 2,000 years ago, write it down on a tablet, he says. Write the vision down on the tablet and make it plain so that they may run that readeth. Do you get this? Are you getting this? This is the scripture in all of our PNPs. We're trying to put everything down on paper so whoever reads it, Whoever reads it can run with it. That way, the group has the same vision, the same mission. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. Then it ends with this. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. Woo! This is old. This is the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a vision in the New Testament. It's going to tarry. It's going to take a time. It'll speak, but it'll come to pass regardless of the day it is until the day I come home. Because it says at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it may tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. The vision of God will not tarry. What that means is it won't falter. He'll take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. The vision will not tarry. I'm almost there, church. Two reasons. My voice is going out. And I'm also at the end. Amen. Habakkuk 2.2. 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that he may run that readeth. And if you go to Matthew chapter 28, 
Verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hmm. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a prophecy from the Old Testament that has been given to the 11 in the New Testament for the entire church and its existence here on earth after Christ's resurrection. Write it down. Write the vision. Here's the most important reason why we need to write the vision down and why we as a church and as a group of disciples, if you're not being discipled, I suggest you find somebody that would disciple you, get with one of the elders. If you want to be baptized, get with somebody. Get on the course. 201 is in the app. It shares with you about baptism and the purpose and the reason and where the direction comes from. Turn with me to Proverbs 29, verse 18. Say amen when you get there. So understand that this vision was given to a group of 11 this was their mission, and because it was given to a group, it became the Great Commission, which is a corporate mission for a group of people, and it's the same vision without boundaries that God has today. And the only people that put boundaries on this vision are ourselves. Why do we put visions, why do we put limits on our visions? A lot of reasons, that's right. I'll give you an example. I used to think this way so much and so often that it drove me to a place of depression. I limit what God has for me and I put boundaries on the vision he has for me because I look for other people's approval. Instead of looking for the approval that's already bestowed upon me. You know, God already gave me approval. I don't need nobody's approval. God gave it to me already. We limit ourselves with these boundaries that we place. Some of us do it because we look for other people's approval compared to the power that's been bestowed upon us. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and you've overcome them because greater is he that is within you than he that is of the world. I don't need the approval of the world. I don't need the approval of my parents. If I'm doing what God's asked me and I'm following the vision, 
I need not to look further. And most of us don't go after a vision because that's all we're worried about. What are they going to say about work? What are they going to say to me about uh, at school? What are they going to say just in peers? And it's all emotion. And it's truly, truly, if you really, if you really look to the root of it, for me personally, when I looked for approval in the world and I limited myself with what God had for me, I really, really was just plain out prideful. If we get to the root, if we're going to be honest up here, that is the root of it. I was so prideful. I didn't want to falter in the world's eyes. Didn't want to falter in my peers' eyes. That's pride. That's pride. Sometimes, that was number one, and why we limit ourselves and put boundaries on God's vision for us. Number two, is we seek fairness. We look at the world and say, man, that's not fair. Why can't I do this anymore? I remember Pastor Vaughn said something, and I think that it was the title of his message was that we seek fairness when we should seek favor. Because we are children of God, we should seek favor. Psalms 51.12, I'm sorry, Psalms 5.12 says that God surrounds and protects me with favor like a shield. Literally, I got the scripture, praying in the spirit, chapter 5, up here, sharing the chapter with the church, and I'm reading Psalms chapter 5, and the end of Psalms chapter 5, it says, Raymond, don't worry about fairness in this world, that God will, will put favor around you like a shield. He surrounds me with favor. We limit ourselves because we're not seeking favor, we're looking for fairness. Number three, and I think this deals with a lot of us. We scared. Just plain out scared. Scared. We put boundaries in the vision that God has for us or dreams or places that he wants us to be or be in or things we want to, that he wants us to do. We allow fear to now become a stepping stone or a wall. And sometimes, listen, we don't just allow fear to become a stepping stone or maybe an obstacle. Can you put that image of vision without boundaries? We don't allow fear to be just some caution tape or a barrier or a barricade or a stepping stone. We allow fear to become a full-blown fortified city of Jericho in our life. And then you go every year to Jericho and say, why am I scared? Why am I scared? God's vision is without boundaries. God has given you all the power to accomplish that. Nothing has changed about his vision. And it certainly is not contradictory to his word. We are fearful. We're scared. We're afraid of how we look or if we fall in front of others. Fear is defined by Merriam Webster as an unpleasant emotion. Say emotion. emotion. Yeah, we're emotional. Yeah. 
So am I. So am I. Sarah tells me all the time, man, you're so extra. I'm like, I'm like, be quiet, girl. I like that attention sometimes. Shut up. But it's true. We are emotional. We are extra. And some of you are downright drama. You think that God's giving you a vision and you say, oh, Lord, I'll die if I do that. Come on now. A vision without boundaries. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Whew. That's the world's definition of fear. You want to know the Bible's definition of fear? I'll give it to you right here. The Bible's definition of fear is an opportunity to choose faith. That's it. God says, okay, here's where I need you to be. And you say, I'm scared. And he says, well, this is an opportunity. Show me your faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. God will put a vision or a dream in your life that may make you a little fearful, but it's your chance to choose faith. It's your chance to say, okay, let's do this. I'm not saying, Lord, I think that light's going to turn green and you floor it. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, all the men laugh because we do that sometimes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a goal, a vision, a plan that God has for you. You might be fearful, but God's given you the opportunity to be faithful. And there's a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture about fear in the Bible. But my personal favorite, I'm going to be like Pastor Vaughn and quote him. This is my favorite scripture of the book. This is my favorite scripture. He says that every Sunday. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. Listen to me. Before we read this, sometimes this is how I read the scripture. I put my name. Go ahead and put it up there. I put my name in there. I put my name in there because it gets personal to me. If you don't have a personal relationship with the word or God, then this is just religion for you. And it's got to be personal. And this is, how I, uh, this is how I read it. Fear not, Raymond, for I am with you. Doesn't that change the whole scripture? If you're really reading the word and you put your name in the scripture, I already told you who's already found favor in me. He's already said you are valuable, Raymond. I've already approved you. Do not, do not fear, Raymond. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, Raymond, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, Ray. Yes, I will help you, Ray. I will uphold you, Ray, with my righteous hand. My favorite scripture about fear, I speak it to myself. This is how we put boundaries on vision. And God says, my visions are without boundaries. My vision is limitless. You mean to tell me that the God of all creation that created all of this in six days and then rested on the seventh, you mean to tell me he doesn't give you a vision and will give you the power to accomplish or to be there at that moment, at that point? That's contradictory to what he says. God's visions are never contradictory to his word. Never. 
If it is, then that wasn't from the Lord, period. That's how, you, that's how you decide it. That's how you discern what is from God and what is not. If it's from God, it will line up with this. If it's not, it just won't. That's it. It's black and white. I know there's some red in here, but it's typically black and white. That's it. The vision. A vision without boundaries. Church, we must have a vision. We must write it on a tablet so that anybody that sees the vision can run with it. For this vision is set for an appointed time. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. So in sales, I told you I had to write goals so I can get paid with commission. I'm trying to play on words, guys. You didn't get that, but that's okay. <laughs> but commission, I had to have smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, reachable, and timely goals for everything just to get paid the right way. The Bible tells us that without vision, the people will perish. You will die if you don't have that vision. If the, the vision that was given to these 11 guys 2,000 years ago, it's the same now and it's the same for all of us. Make disciples. Become a disciple. Baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's you that needs to be fully immersed. Maybe it's you that needs to die underwater and to be resurrected in newness of life. The NIV puts it this way, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is he, blessed is the one who heeds wisdom, wisdom's instruction. The ESV puts it this way, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The vision is the law. The vision was a vision and it was a mission to a group of people which came, became the commission for a church and it was a commandment. It's the law. But when we don't have vision as a church, when we don't have vision as a Christian, when we don't have vision as a body, and we're not a unified body with a unified vision that's on the commission because it's to a group of people, we will perish. You will cast off restraint. When I looked up one of the ESV uh, descriptions of casting off restraint, it was like a, a controlled restraint that once it was casted off, if you didn't have vision, you just ran buck wild. Did whatever you wanted to do, wasted your time. You could be saved and wasting your time here on earth without making disciples, without baptizing people. As a church in a city, what are we doing? Why do we not have a vision without boundaries? Dream big. I, I tell a couple of people my dreams, some big, crazy dreams. And it's funny because <laughs> I finally got PV to understand what I was trying to do, or I think he realized it at some point. 
But let me, let me put it this way to you, and I think God is the same way. When your dreams don't make other people laugh or scare them, they're not big enough. They just ain't big enough. You want these little, little things that you accomplish in life, and God says, man, look what I have for you. You could be in another city. I have these people that you can bring to me. I have these people that I'd like you to baptize. Some of us have led people to the Lord and just, that's it. All right, man, text me later. Cool. You know what the eunuch did on the side of the road? There's water right there. Why can't I be baptized? We need to be a church and a group that has a unified vision and a vision without boundaries. And we have to, have to write it down on a tablet so that anyone that comes behind us can run with it. So that when we disciple people, they can run with that vision. Because without vision, the people perish or cast off restraint. We sang a song this morning, um, Spirit Break Out. And if you would, Teeb, come on up here. And I'd really like, and it was nice because sometimes we, uh, uh, these guys when they worship, and I know they think about these things often, as do I, if I get the privilege to, to worship up here. I think, don't they know that the altar's open? All the time, all day long, anytime, anytime the doors are open, anytime, anytime you, wherever you're at, the altar is open. Do you know that, that he literally said you will have greater power and do greater things than I because I've gone to the Father. Because I've made a way for you to speak to us, that's the altar. That is the altar. It doesn't have to be here. It could be at your home. It could be in your closet. It could be in your car. That's the altar. And it was so nice to see people come to the altar during worship because it made me, it reminded me that people understand that the altar is just not for altar call. That the altar is whenever you need to speak to the Father. He's given you the power to accomplish these visions and dreams. He's given you a vision and a mission and it's a corporate mission. That's why we call it the Great Commission. And without this vision, we too can cast off restraints. The prayer team prays against that in this church and in this city every single time. We do it indirectly. We do it directly. We pray for those that are leading us. We pray that those, for those that, that uh, help us, that support us, that watch over us, that uh, educate us, that teach us, that love on us, that instruct us. And we pray for these things all the way down the road for the person that gives their life here at the altar, for the person that says, I need to be immersed I need to be baptized. If you were truly baptized, and just by a show of hands, it's dark, but I just want you, I can't see it, and most of the worship team can't see, but raise your hand if you've been baptized. Praise the Lord. 
Now put them down. Now raise your hand if you remember that day. Praise the Lord. That's being baptized in the Spirit. That's being baptized. That's remembering every single emotion, the count, what you were wearing, who was saying what, and saying, oh my gosh, I see now differently. I feel differently. I'm, what is this? That's what it's about. And that's what Jesus was telling these 11 to do in all of the world so that people could see that, that public confession. Mm, mm. So this morning, I want to thank you for letting me be up here and sharing a, a word with you, but it doesn't end here. In fact, sometimes this is just the start. God's plans are not limited to human capabilities, but humans limit our spiritual and supernatural capabilities. God has a vision and a plan for each and every one of you. And there's a purpose inside that. What's your vision? What's your mission? As a group, what's the commission? What's the vision without boundaries? What is true in our personal life will be projected in the life of the church. And certainly what we hear in the church will be projected in our personal life. You may need a little help with that this morning. The altars are open. You may need a little help with understanding that God has not given you limitations and given you a vision that you cannot capture. Maybe you need more of what is spoken in the church to be projected in your life personally. The altars are open. Stand with me. A vision without boundaries. He ended the great commission. This vision without boundaries, Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. He says that to you right now this morning. You may have a dream that you want to go after. I am with you always and to the end of every age. You may have a vision and you have no idea where to start. Start by writing it down. Start by writing it down so you don't forget it. Start by putting it on a tablet like Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says. So that when other people see it, they can run with it and they can help you run with it. And then once you're done writing it down, find somebody to disciple you to get there. Because just as there's no secret disciples or little FBI faithfuls, the world needs to see us. The world needs to see us. We're in this world, but not of this world. It's okay to go to a high school and be a Christian. It's okay to be at a football game and be a Christian. It's okay to have sushi and bless the food. It's okay to let God live in all of you rather than just here. Amen. 
It's okay to have your son in sports and say, hey, hey, go pray over that kid that's hurt. It's okay to live out this commission, this vision without boundaries. It's okay to have a trunk or treat on a worldly event. It's okay to want to be discipled. It's okay to find somebody to disciple you. It's okay to want to be baptized. It's okay to want to be immersed and to have that public confession made to all your loved ones. It's not okay to do none of those. It's not okay to sit and hold tight what God has given you. Somebody told me once that the more you hold on to things, the less you'll have because there's no, you're not open to get more. But if you open and share what you have, then God can give you more. You've got to empty yourself of yourself so God can pour into you. What's your vision? What's in your heart? Like Capital One, what's in your wallet? You know what's funny? Devin's laughing behind me. But the Bible says, what's in your heart, there will be your treasure, right? What you hold on to most, and most of you guys, it's this. I'm no different. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking with you. I am no different. But man, I am so grateful for the vision that God has given me. And he has, he has made me realize that, Raymond, fear not, Raymond. Do not be dismayed, Raymond, for I am with you to the end of age, Raymond. And Raymond, write it down on a tablet. And Raymond, this is your vision. And Raymond, you need to go out and make disciples. And Raymond, you need to baptize them in that's, that's how you have to receive the word of God. It's about you. How is it going to be the greatest story ever told if you don't tell anybody by living it out? Amen. You realize that this book is the number one selling book and it has been since they've documented that? It's the number one selling book in the least read. Go figure. Do you know that this was written over a period of a thousand years during war and peace over six different continents by 32 different people and every single one of them have died because, what have, because of what they've written. They've all been martyred. And to this day, they cannot find a contradiction. So when I tell you this thing is alive... Because it's divinely inspired by the Spirit of God. It was written by tax collectors, peasants, a physician, farmers. And to this day, no contradiction. Yet yeah, it's the least read. I challenge you, when you read these scriptures, make it personal. Make it personal. As you do this altar, make it personal this morning. A vision without boundaries, make it personal.
our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.